This is Radio ANA, broadcasting on the stolen land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We are Annalise and Arnie, talking about community and individual responses to harm, transformative justice, accountability, safety, support and healing and prison abolition within and challenging dominator culture. We would like to acknowledge Aboriginal elders past and present and to acknowledge and honour the resistance of First Nations people across these lands. It's all about a voice in our own country. We've got a reason to be screaming out, where's our voice in this country? You know, not that I want to be a part of the Constitution for that, you know. That's why 3CR is so important to, to me and this community here. We've got a voice, but it's not, you know, we're entitled to a bigger voice than what we've got. But it's all about having a voice. Subscribe to 3CR, fiercely independent and community controlled. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 03 9419 8377. My love must be a kind of blind love. I can't see anyone but you. Hello, welcome to Radio ANA. This is Annalise and we have Arnie here. Hi, Arnie. Oh, hi. <laughs> uh, this is our Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> we are going to talk about love and romance within Dominator culture. 
how and where we learn about love and what these big ideas have meant for us, our lives and the world we live in. And to start us off, we were listening to The Flamingos with I Only Have Eyes for You. (laughs) And so we thought maybe to start, I have a question for you, Arnie. What do you think love is? Yeah, I think it's so interesting actually trying to think about what love is. And in reality, I don't really know. Or I have many different ideas, I guess, that are conflicting. And I've thought a lot about like, you know, maybe my experience in life, in family, um, and then in friendships and finding different kinds of love or not finding love in um, aspects of family and then finding really different kinds of love with friends and forming, you know, stronger attachments. Often that's been, I don't know, felt safer or more comfortable or more easy than an idea of romantic love. And I think about what it is or what the feeling is, especially when I was younger, maybe things have shifted, but you know, what the feeling was and so much, you know, there's this line, actually, this is a bit sad first, but it's from Fahrenheit um, 451. It's like, you know, that book I like that I can't remember the name of and it's sort of unrelated to the book, but there's this line in it and the character says something like, you know, why do I feel so connected to you or "Why why do I feel like I've known you for so many years? And the other character goes, well, because I love you and I don't want anything from you. And I I guess that was maybe something, this feeling of like care, connection, you know, and just joy wanting to be around each other without like maybe a sense of pressure or expectation or having to live up to something or having to, I don't know, constrain myself into, yeah, expectations of others, otherwise being deemed undeserving. You know, Mm. of that kind of connection, which is perhaps a sort of love I felt a lot in family. And then, yeah, like I think it's been an interesting challenge, I think. Like, you know, at the same time, I love love stories. I love rom-coms. I extremely love pop music, all of which is about, you know, this certain kind of romantic love and... I've got a lot of, you know, thoughts about how I felt that that was so lacking or I felt so undesirable, undeserving of that kind of love in my life and then moved into social scenes that were critical of that kind of love but then just felt, oh, my God, I don't know how to understand what romantic love could be outside of that and so it's safer and easier to construct that in friendship. So in terms of the question about what is love, like I think, you know, maybe where I've come to whoever it's with and you know does maybe there's like a cross-section of different feelings with different people that cross over with love like romance or desire or attraction or something but yeah I really do kind of feel with that kind of care and connection without constraint or without control but but with responsibility yeah like you know not this kind of one or the other this like liberal I can do whatever I want whenever I want and that's the, the kind of freedom but to have like a mutual responsibility which does involve like obligation I think and does involve support and like compromise and sacrifice but without control it's very hard to imagine that (laughs) what do you think (laughs) yeah I think similarly it's hard to imagine like growing up I think most of what I knew about love was tied to domination and punishment so it was like you know I only love you if you are compliant And that's when I'd receive messages about love was when I was doing the things that were expected of me from my parents. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots of like complication in that as well, because I think they also express love in other ways. But I think the dominant way was definitely through ownership. But then I also like want love to be something else. It's not that. And so I really like connect (laughs) with what you were saying about, yeah, love also being about like responsibility and like justice and accountability and without fear, like without domination, without control and with like trust and respect and growth. (laughs) But sometimes I really struggle to like in intimate partner relationships to, to think 
how that's possible, whereas it seems like it's more possible in friendships. I really love Bell Hook's idea of love where she talks about how love is an action or should be an action and often it's we are wrapped up in love as a feeling and that's kind of our demise really because we just are like lost in the lust and Bell Hooks is like, well, we should conceive of it as an action. So what are we doing mm. in this action of love? And like the mutual thing. So it's, you know, often we talk about like how what I need to receive love, but we don't actually talk about what I, what I have to give to mm. love. And so how to actually be mutual in that, not just think about our own wants or desires or needs, but like what can I give to someone else? Um, that's the loving action. Yeah, and it's so interesting like when you were saying that maybe creating that something else feels easier like in friendships or something. You know, I guess I haven't grown up being influenced by a whole lot of ideas about love and friendships actually that aren't just about like joy and connection. Mm. What did I read when I was a kid? Like the babysitter's club or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like actually like all those friends, like they had deep love and care for Mm. each other. They were always supportive. They really encouraged each other to do whatever they wanted to do. That was the only kind of love relationships that I've seen presented actually that – hasn't necessarily been about domination or ownership or control in some kind of way or, you know, perhaps tied to, like, worth or validation in this really deep way where if you don't experience this particular kind of romantic love, there's something wrong with you. Mm. You're empty, you're incomplete, you are undesirable, you're, you know all these things which doesn't really lead to positive (laughs) kind of stuff. (laughs) No, and it's hard, right, because similar, like I grew up with all of these big ideas about romance and you know me, I'm like so swept away by love. I'm really like (laughs) obsessed with the idea of love and just like love love in whatever forms that comes in. But also I'm so critical of it too because I also know that often like the people that I've loved the most deeply have also hurt me and I've hurt them. And so it's confusing because it's like, God, what is this like deep love that's also very like objectifying and often has violence in it and control. But then there's all these other feelings. (laughs) The last feelings really like, yeah, it's very confusing. And I know, like, I do love to talk about, you know, the All About Love Bell Hooks books, but there's, like, a big chapter in there about lies and how that is, like, such an undoing of, like, romantic relationships um, because of the ways that it, like, really destroys trust and how easy it is because we grow up in a culture of lying. Like, we're just so skilled at lying. Like, everyone is, like, lying all the time. Yeah, she's got this whole chapter that is like, how do we base relationships when we just lie to each other all the time? And what does that kind of mean for us if we're trying to build like, you know, relationships of responsibility, relationships of growth and trust when it's, yeah, often in romantic relationships where either kind of withholding like things because we don't want to hurt our, you know, partner or we like are withholding, you know, things about ourselves, our needs and desires, or we're withholding things that because we've done something, you know, that's caused harm and we don't want to tell them. And also how those big ideas about like being your worth um, and value as a person being tied to, you know, a particular kind of love and acceptance given to you generally, like romantic love and acceptance, you know, this fear of rejection, how that breeds lies yeah because there's not you know a sense that you could be honest yes yeah there's so much performance Mm -hmm. like yeah it's like we have to lie so much about even who we are to be like Mm -hmm. in this to be because we think we need to to be accepted to be loved yeah I was talking today with like my co-parent about just like romantic partnerships and just being like god it's like 
we're just such good actors. Like, (laughs) you know, we're just have really like if we didn't go to drama class, we've like lived a life of drama because like romantic relationships really like they are like such a theatre of performance and just how hard work that is. And also, like, what are we doing and why? Yeah, and, like, the desire to, you know, when thinking about, like, what is love or how you navigate this kind of stuff, it's like what is, you know, we were sort of talking, like, I love love. The thing is I do too, but often in quite a different way. And it's interesting, like, in my growing up life, no affection was really expressed in my family. No love was really talked about. You know, and I'm sure there was many lies or this performance. How it looked, though, was like distance and like coldness and, um, yeah, like a complete performance, fakeness. And it was always really confusing. And then contrasted to that, I guess, is like all the bigger messages in the rest of society, all the movies, all the music, all this, you know, and that's the place where I could feel things, which wasn't really encouraged you know, in the household. Mm. And so even trying to think about what it means for me to be like, I love love, I want love, I want connection. It's also like an uncomfortable feeling or it feels weird. I'm like, do I feel love, don't I? What is love? I don't know. And how much it's caught up then in like acceptance, Mm. you know, and how much that can then just be another performance Mm. because the idea of a genuine connection feels very very far away at times you know so even that idea that you know maybe love itself is a performance I guess is something that has influenced me where I'm like absolutely I was thinking like about the performativity and its connections to kind of this idea of like yeah the couple form or the family and just I think so many people and like to survive as well are caught up in this of like in especially in countries like this under capitalism the like the need to be in a couple in a heteronormative couple or heteronormative like couple to have like this idea of like a breadwinner the provider and then someone else who's the caretaker and so the performance of life in these roles as well and thinking that if we're not doing that that we're a failure and also if we're not doing that then what does that mean for the lives that we get to live or the access that we have or don't have. I think there's still many parts of the world that don't have to like kind of live in this couple form way. And I don't think we have to, but I think it's pretty difficult not to in in this kind of world that I live in. And so I definitely have been like influenced by this expectation to like survive in this world, especially seeing my parents. I would say that you kind of need to have like a partner and then like build a life with that person. And very young, I realized I was really bad at doing that because I like to have many partners. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> Why am I so bad? And um, yeah, I think I've always felt like I just wasn't good at doing the thing I was meant to do, which is like love one person for the rest of my life. And Yeah, I'm still not good at it now. Mm. You know, I still don't want to just be with one person for the Mm. rest of my life. Mm. I, like, want to have, like, different and many relationships and friendships and some of those will turn into romantic relationships and some won't and, yeah, different experiences of what that love is. But to have that, I do feel like, yeah, that I'm not meeting some expectation that I should or I do in some ways feel like I'm going to be a bit fucked later in life you know, that I'm going to have like less stability or, yeah, because we don't have examples of like friends having that stability together. So then it's a bit like while we live in like capitalism and is the end going to be that everyone's kind of like each person for themselves? Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and just interesting to think that actually like, you know, the couple form of the nuclear family, as you're describing, it's not that old of an idea or a concept. It's quite new, really. Yeah, like a few hundred years. Yeah. You know, and but how much, like, even in the attempts to create, you know, in, I guess, experiences that I've had or, you know, groups I've moved through, 
in attempts to create something else, you know, even, for example, in like queer relationships or poly relationships or something like this, how much so many of those constructions and expectations that, you know, and ideas of love that have come from a particular development of like English Mm. capitalist society and, you know, perhaps other places as well, but for here particularly from... Yeah, like this creation of the nuclear family, the breadwinner form, the, you know, shifting kind of state of the economic system, how that has given birth to these these ideas about, um, you know, like what it means to be loved, what, how, how you're mm. supposed to act if you're in love, how you're supposed to act if you're in a relationship and what role you're supposed to occupy so that, you know, you can feel even if you're in a situation where everybody's like, yeah, you know, we kind of want to challenge these ideas we want to be have different kinds of connections actually how hard that is and how much like insecurities Mm -hmm. um that brings up and how much like difficulties in communication and in value that sort of leads to and even yeah like ideas of the role of you know who you're supposed to as you're saying who you're supposed Mm. to invest in for the future whether that's like in terms of money, who you're supposed to collect money together with, mm. who um, you call when you're sick, who will kind of, if you get really sick, who will like be there to look after you. Uh, and if you don't have a partner, the expectation really is like your parent, you know, not a friend who would support you financially so that you can do something that doesn't involve working for some time or all these sorts of things like... Yeah, like, you know, it's not just the ideas about love, but then, as you're saying, like the real-world impacts of how difficult it feels to create that same sense of responsibility, I guess, with people who perhaps are not, you know, your life partner or um, something like that. And what that means for us in terms of trying to think, well, how do we create different ideas of love when it's like so deep, a lot of these thoughts, ideas that we've taken on. (laughs) Mm. I wonder if we should go to a song, Arnie. Let's listen to You Don't Own Me from (laughs) Leslie Gore. (laughs) You don't own me I'm not just one of your many toys You don't own me Don't say I can't go with other boys And don't tell me what to do Don't tell me what to say And please, when I go out with you Don't put me on display Cause you don't own me Change me in any way You don't own me Don't tie me down Cause I'd never stay I don't tell you what to say I don't tell you what to do So just let me be myself That's all I ask of you
You are listening to Radio ANA Valentine's Day special, and we are talking about love and romance within Dominator culture. And Annalise, before you, you were mentioning objectification, and you know, I guess this objectification is so present in the Dominator culture that we live in in so many different ways. And I wondered if you could share more about some of your thoughts about you know, ideas around like objectifying ideas and how they show up in these big ideas about love and romance? I mean, I think they show up in really sad ways, um, (laughs) harmful ways. Uh, And I definitely have to check myself on this as well, all the time, actually. You know, I feel like we live like in a consumerist world. We like buy and we throw out. And I think we do the same with love. I think we we objectify people. Um, and if they don't meet our expectations, our ideas of what we had conjured up, that person probably had no part in the conjuring. Like we've had this idea of this person. If they don't meet it, we often we often throw them away. And I think with objectification and love, it's like to to not do that. I think you do have to like have this belief that like you know everyone matters. Or like this kind of ethic or something of like everyone like oh, everyone's human and like deserves your respect. And I think it's actually really hard to like deeply hold those ethics in this in this world, unfortunately. It's so easy to yeah, to objectify someone and then to kind of lose interest. And like I'm not saying that we should stay with people when, you know, it's not yeah, it's not good for us or like where there's harm or abuse. But I think like the quickness often of like how we kind of view people and position people and then are quick to throw away people. I think it is really harmful. Like it's definitely been for me, like in terms of how I've treated people. And I guess like, you know, the thing is that objectification or different kinds of objectifying ideas are present in situations of abuse. Yeah, absolutely. Objectify that people are objectified, and um, you know, there's certain expectations of you know of partners or children or whoever, and their their role, what they should be doing, who they should be. That, as you say, like people have had no role in creating. It's not about their full self, their whole self, the many layers of the person that they are. And you know, if not disposed of, people are punished for not meeting these expectations around roles and yeah like this kind of how do you actually see humanity in a context where so many of the big ideas we've been influenced by about love are about possession control roles obligation ownership and and the expectations are huge you complete me is the most biggest expectation you you are my other half (laughs) yeah and then my better half and then <laughs> how do you measure that? Yeah. <laughs> why aren't you completing me? Yeah. Yeah, why aren't you loving me? And does loving me mean agreeing with everything I say, doing everything that I want, so, you know, all these sorts of things? And often it, it does. Often the, you know, presentations we have of love in dominator culture are often very gendered. But also, yeah, that you should be doing everything mm. the person says and everything, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so, yeah, that all or nothing approach to perceiving people and approaching relationships and communities often as well. You know, if we think about love outside of a romantic context and disposability in that context too, Mm. objectification of friends or, you know, what what a social network is supposed to offer. Mm. And like thinking about sex as well, like there's so much objectification in sex that's also tied to ideas about love, like linking those things, which is, yeah, like it's totally understandable for people to have deeper feelings when there's physical intimacy and, you know, I'm not commenting or wanting to like shame anybody for having that in any way. But I think like, I don't know, there's something there around when we explicitly link those things and we have this like meaning then that we should be getting from certain physical intimacy that has then all these ties to it and if we're not like if we don't if we reach the end of those ties and we're not getting what we want I think that causes so many issues with people with people's like sense of self and worth and value and then yeah also the 
yeah, people's objectification of people's bodies. Well, and I mean the history of like this explicit association of like physical sexual intimacy and this particular idea of love itself is, you know, a history of social control and like an imposing of bourgeois values of morality onto poor and working class peoples and then through colonisation an imposition of white bourgeois values of morality onto the rest of the world. And tied to religion as well. And a punishment. Yeah. Judgment, objectification, punishment and judgment of anybody who engaged in other forms of physical or sexual intimacy outside of that. So it's like, you know, the punishment and the judgment on the one hand and the repression of all other forms of sexual intimacy and the creation of gender as linked to experiencing a particular kind of sexual intimacy within an intimate partner relationship. But then also, yeah, the flip side of that, the extreme weight put onto sexual intimacy of what it's supposed to offer, you know, in terms of a pathway to a stable future or to a sense of self or to a physical and emotional sensation that should be different to everything else you've ever experienced in life. And what does that actually do to us? (laughs) I know, it's so full on. Like I remember reading that All About Love book and, you know, in one of the chapters, Bell Hooks talks about that most of the, like, sex that she's really, like, enjoyed hasn't been explicitly with like intimate partners it like um, long-term intimate partners and because often there's complexities but like she talks about that a lot of the kind of kind of high tension sex was connected kind of with assholes and uh, I really resonated with this I was like oh my god that's me like and then being so confused being like oh like am I I think I'm meant to be like, you know, have love for this person and like be in love with this person. But like they're kind of like a fuckhead, but like the sex is so good. And just, yeah, just being so confused actually for like most of my life, (laughs) continuously (laughs) being confused by like, you know, and just also holding that like you can be like in beautiful romantic relationships and like not have sex or not have sex very much. And it doesn't mean it's loveless. You know, and I think, yeah, we often have such like expectations about all of these things we're meant to do. And like, we must have like a fulfilling, you know, sex life. And it's like, that can look so many different ways. And I wonder what it would mean to like lose some of those expectations that we have Mm. on ourselves and each other Mm. um, and think about what pleasure is and then also what love is and. And kind of untangle like a lot of the kind of messiness that we seem to always be in. And just what that sort of gets in the way of, you know, I really think about my teenage years and how much the idea of being someone that particularly men, like despite, you know, whatever has happened with my sexuality since then. But yeah, like, you know, the kind of gendered nature of this sort of stuff too, like, But it was like that was the central thing that Mm. I learned to believe would give me worth. And so when that wasn't happening for me, I, yeah, like the kind of feelings or the impact was like I was nothing, Mm. you know, and it's interesting even like then moving through other experiences, how much weight, you know, it's kind of specifically I've learned to place on like feeling um, sexually desired by a partner And yet that weight has often meant like it's way harder to experience like joy or pleasure or relaxation or, you know, exploration in those contexts as opposed to, you know, in situations where I don't actually really know the person at all Mm. because there isn't the same weight. There isn't the same consequence, you know, if it's like kind of crap I'm not like oh what does this mean for like our whole connection and the future and bloody blah I'm just like yeah whatever (laughs) (laughs) it's the morning who cares you know but yeah even just thinking about that on that kind of personal level like what what is like this huge build-up and how has that actually meant that I enforce that sort of sexual repression on myself you know and then I also enforce certain like ideas of what a relationship should be on myself and then 
leading into like which relationships should be prioritized based on so many of these Mm. ideas you know we've talked about this a lot like the just dominant prioritization of like you know the heteronormative often but also queer intimate partner relationships um and what that gets in the way of in terms of like how we want to live and different ways of living and that even coming into these like so-called kind of subcultural you know alternative scenes and friendship groups and thinking that um, they would offer different possibilities and being like oh we're just replicating exactly the Mm -hmm. things that we're trying to kind of get away from and I think there's so many attempts like Emmy O'Brien talks a lot about like abolishing the family but not in the way of like abolishing like care and connection and you know, it's like we want to learn from the ways that, yeah, often like First Nations and black and brown communities have done family and have done community for a long time, like before colonisation and before capitalism. And like, yeah, so many learnings about what actual care can look like and be. But I think unfortunately for me, like coming to Australia, I feel very often far away from you know, cultural connections where that seems very alive in Mauritius, like these quite wonderful ways to be in family with each other. That's not often like blood family. There is that, but there's lots of (laughs) just family. And yeah, wanting that, like wanting more of that. And I think like so many, I don't know, like so many of even the ways that like every social structure is set up in somewhere like Australia gets in the way of that. Like even things like how houses are set out, where people live, you know, how much connection there is to people around you, how long people stay in the same house, you know. And, yeah, like just so many kind of things that make a lot of those things difficult on top of that reinforce these cultural ideas about connection And that people's dependence is therefore on, like, money or the state or services or institutions. And that kind of trust or connection is further channeled solely into, like, the one true love that you could find because it seems more possible than finding, like, a whole true community (laughs) or Mm. something like that, you know. And how much then we have expectation of, like, yeah, a romantic relationship to fill the place or fill the void of the communities and connections that have been destroyed through colonisation and, like, thousands of years also, like, in, you know, Europe, what's then led to the colonisation of the world. But, yeah, of these particular kind of ideas and ways of being in economic systems. And I was thinking, too, like, we can think about or reflect on all the ways this has impacted us or affect us in our life. And then sometimes, like... When trying to learn about, okay, well, what's been the impact on me or, you know, how can I kind of think differently about relationships or how I am in relationships or, you know, even start processing a lot of these things. Some of the resources I've leaned on in order to try and do that have often kind of made me feel more conflicted. Like we were speaking the other day about like attachment theory, you know, and there's so much interesting or like valuable in understanding maybe the impacts of like childhood experiences on the way we form attachments or something like that. And yet at the same time, when most of that is based around the idea that what everyone should be striving for is a healthy couple based relationship and that's it. That's the community. That's what's going to support you for the rest of forever. If yeah, like what the suggestions are or what you're supposed to do is essentially just strive for this partnered couple sh- coupleship or whatever that fits into the nuclear family structure. So what do you lean on if you're looking for something else? Like how do you kind of start to unpack the complexities of all these different things when, yeah, maybe sometimes like what it looks like when you're kind of pushing back against some of these ideas is interpreted as coldness or interpreted as not showing up or is interpreted as not caring, which hurts people. And so, yeah, like, what does it actually look like to (laughs) try and create other things in a context where that just there's not a lot of models? There's not a lot of. Yeah, it's it is so confusing because I think, 
you know, we're all in this kind of, we're all in dominated culture. You know, we've talked about this a bunch, but when you don't prioritise, like, your intimate partner as, like, the the most important, I guess, in your world, where it's like you have all levels of importance. I think often people that I've dated have felt really left out and not prioritised, even though in my world I'm prioritising or trying and failing probably a lot of the time, trying to prioritise everyone and not, like, putting it in a hierarchy of, like, what's most important. But I think it is, like, felt in really... Yeah, real ways, you know, that I don't want someone to feel that way. Like I don't want to leave people in relationships feeling that they're not like worthy of my love. Um, But then at the same time, I don't want my whole world to be like an intimate partner. And I never have, like even when I was a teenager, like I was always kind of like this, like just a bit of a poly freak who loved to just date a lot of people and have many friends and also family but yeah I think it's difficult when there's there's multiple people in your world to like ensure that people feel worthy Mm. yeah I think you know I've had very similar experiences and just that reality of like you know wanting to kind of create multiple connections that perhaps support each other but yeah what that means when often people don't have that majoritively in a place like this in a society like this people feel alone they feel really isolated they feel really disconnected and they don't just feel that they are Mm. they are that and so yeah like you know so many of these things or kind of pushing back against so many of these ideas about worth and finding worth in different ways finding validation in different ways through different forms of connection Like it takes confidence and trust to even attempt things that are outside of what's common, but also what maybe seems easier. Like it does, you know, I'm I'm sure maybe it doesn't for me, but (laughs) I'm sure for many people, like, of course it would seem easier to form, you know, a deeper connection with one person Mm. rather than to imagine from, yeah, forming deep connections with many people. And also, like, you know, waged labour, the structure of time, how much time is then available to put into people and connections, limits, possibilities. Childcare responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, I guess it's, it's both painful but also really understandable why so many of those attempts or desires to have different things or decenter a couple relationship or decenter a romantic relationship really can be met with a lot of hurt mm. and resentment. So let's listen to a song because it's really depressing <laughs> to talk about this actually. <laughs> Maybe when we get back we can talk briefly, which I think would be good as a way to um, like think about how we might want to be in the hurt talk about radical love what song would you like to listen to Annie? let's listen to that jesse reyes figures awesome figures i gave you right to die and you gave me games love figures Won't change love figures. I gave it all and you gave me shit love figures. I wish I could do exactly what you did. I wish I could hurt you back. Get me back That's what I would 
That was Figures by Jesse Riaz. And so we've been talking about love and romance within dominator culture. And I was thinking, Arnie, yeah, what are your kind of ideas around radical love or any any other ideas and what that could make possible within kind of all of this sometimes perhaps hurt or fears that mm. people might have around different yeah, ways of being in relationship with each other? Mm. Well, in our um, five minutes that's left, I'll just no. – <laughs> we were discussing a part two perhaps. But, no, I mean, what I was thinking was I was listening to this podcast the other day and it was on um, The Thoughtful Human and um, it was an interview with one of the people from Success Stories, which is um, from the prison feminism documentary, The Project, in, the, in Turtle Island. They were talking about, you know, their definition of love and the person said – he was like, you know, I think now I really subscribe to actually the idea of love that we talk about in the Success Stories program, which is really around like mutual investment in growth as a person. And, you know, similar to when you were sort of talking about um, with Bell Hooks, talking about love as an action. And he was saying the same thing, you know, like that love isn't a feeling or a sensation or something you have or you possess, but it's, it's an act of mutual investment in growth of other person and you in whatever context, whatever relationship or in people. And, you know, it makes it more possible to sort of when we're thinking about this hurt and we're thinking about like harmful behaviours too, we're saying, but but I have love, I have love. It's like, well, okay, tell me how this action or tell me how this thing is mutual investment in growth. Where is the growth? Where is the investment? What does it actually look like to invest in working through hurt, for example, what does it look like to invest in supporting each other or multiple people through navigating these difficult things and for that to actually be seen as love? Yeah, that love isn't always just feeling good, that actually sometimes it's feeling uncomfortable or like, yeah, growth like often feels like hard and challenging, but that that's actually maybe like something we might want. Mm. Do you have ideas? Yeah, well, I think the, you know, the Success Stories Project is really inspired by bell hooks in big mm. ways. Mm. And, yeah, I love that definition of um, radical love as being about, like, justice, responsibility, growth, trust, support, respect. Yeah, caring connection. 
But I do think like underlying those things, you know, I said this before, like trying to hold this ethic that everyone is worthy. And I think that is sometimes quite difficult. But, you know, I would love to kind of keep trying to have these different kinds of relationships in my life. And definitely the one of like responsibility. I think that really speaks to me around like I think that we do have an obligation to each other or whatever word Mm. you want to use. Yeah, out of hurt or Mm. out of even grieving and loss, you know, how can we kind of build trust Mm. within that? And I think all those ideas are related, you know, like so much in this kind of like, yeah, in the kind of like dominated culture ideas of love, but within like, you know, um, neoliberal capitalism, the idea is that you you aren't responsible towards anyone. Mm. And that love is this kind of like fleeting sensation, but like, you know, where you give all of yourself to somebody else, but you have no responsibility to anybody else. And even within that, there isn't a whole real concept of like, yeah, responsibility or care. Mm. It's more about being like swept up in something undefinable, you know, and that actually like commitment can can seem or, or yeah or responsibility can seem like it has no place in that or something but yeah even in that like everyone is deserving or everyone is worthy <laughs> how this kind of love makes possible ideas about justice that aren't about punishment um ideas about growth that aren't about punishment you know and ideas about support that aren't around like yeah control yeah and yeah you know i guess there are like moments perhaps where I have felt that in friendships and sometimes those moments have been like in conflict Mm, completely and that that's sometimes where it's like oh you genuinely have a care about like where I'm heading what I'm thinking and what I'm offering to those around because you're invested in my life And how does that make me feel towards you? Mm. Like the same, generally. (laughs) Maybe something to end on. And we maybe started there, but I do love uh, what Bowhook says around, yeah, what what do we want in terms of love, but also what do we have to give? And really actually thinking about what do we have to give? Um, Not just what, yeah, not just focusing on what we want. Mm. Well, you've been listening to Radio ANA. Thanks, Unleash. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.